0: And welcome to episode one, two, three. It's easy as A, B, D. We <laughs> are Shut Up and Sit Down. This is the Shut Up and Sit Down podcast. It's a podcast for people who like board games, people who are board games, or people who just want to be a board game. And this week, we are all exhausted. <laughs> Matt Lee's joined by Tired Tom Brewster. And Hello. tired Ava
1: Foxfort.
0: Hi. <laughs> I'm tired because I stupidly got carried away and was up till one in the morning fiddling around with wires and poles and nuts and bolts. Ava, you're tired because you're trying to fix a weird computer problem involving a keyboard not typing things properly. Yeah. 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 That and chronic fatigue, you know. <laughs> chronic fatigue as well. Yeah. We don't want to underplay that. That's probably a part of it. And
2: uh, uh, yeah, Tom, why are you tired? I'm tired uh, because I've not left this room in three days. Wow. Cool.
0: Well, after we finish this, you're going to leave this room. That's an order, soldier.
2: I'll try my best.
0: (laughs) On today's podcast, we have got Ava talking about a game which involves you being a post person in Germany. Yeah, posty posty Germany. Posty Posty Germany, that may not be the correct name, but we'll we'll come back to that very soon. (laughs) Tom is going to be taking us on an absolute, uh, it's going to be like the teacups. But a tour de force of family
2: teacups. An odyssey, one might say,
0: of family games. An odyssey of family games. The family game zone with Tom, Tom, Tom. And after that, I am going to be waxing just a little bit lyrical about the marvellous Under Falling Skies. A game we reviewed on the website just recently, uh, but also it's worth talking about again because, gosh, what a peach. What a peach, what a peach. And that will be this podcast. We might be rambly. We might be strange. We might just be slightly sluggish. We'll find out. Podcast, go.
1: I have been playing Thern and Taxis on board game arena a game by andreas and karen safarth from a very long time ago in 2006 when it won an
2: award for being a
1: good game in 2006 <laughs> <laughs> the
2: 2006 <clears throat> award for good games
1: 2006 for oh. 2006 in I looked up a pop hit that i could say could reference in regards to it can anyone, does anyone remember
2: anything that came out in 2006 I, I know a lot of stuff that came out in 2007
0: 2006 we had uh, uh, Oh gosh There's a lot of stuff I don't know uh, We had Put Your Hands Up for Detroit by Fede LeGrand uh, we had, uh, Is Detroit arresting me? <laughs> we had uh, uh, I Don't Feel Like Dancing by the Scissor Sisters oh. Or we had Shakira's Hips Don't Lie And then in brackets Second time Which I, I think may have been No hang on sorry We also had Shakira's Hips Don't Lie. They're two separate entries (laughs) that happened. Uh, Apparently, about a month apart. Anyway, uh, we obviously had uh, Niles Barkley's Crazy as well. So there we we go. That's the sound of 2006. Oh, oh, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. We also had It's Chico Time by (laughs) Chico. It's Chico Time!
2: In two thousand and six. Wow, Chico
0: Please. Time was,
1: was further back
0: than I remember. I was I think eight. Chico Time's a bit like I think it's like Greenwich Meridian time. It's like <laughs> it shifts around. It it distresses me that you were eight in two thousand and six. <laughs> <laughs> what?
1: Did you just sneak that in there? I didn't even hear <laughs> Yeah.
0: I was I was literally like just about to lose my first proper job as an adult out of university. <laughs> no, actually, oh I don't know. <laughs> That's, this is weird. Let's
2: carry yeah, on. Yeah. No, I was working in a
1: gaming internet cafe in Brighton.
2: I probably wouldn't be. Um, I probably wouldn't be allowed to play Thurn and Taxis on the age limit on the box. You'd <laughs> <laughs> be too straight up
0: dumb to use Board Game Arena. Challenge, child. <laughs> Tom couldn't read or write until age 17, but then rapidly became a genius. So no one understands what happened. Like all booster of these rockets, rockets.
2: <laughs> <laughs> the,
0: the brewster rocket <laughs> yeah that's what they called you
1: brewster booster um yes yeah, so Cern and taxis is about the german postal system oh boy the 17th century
0: <laughs> oh yeah uh, it's my favorite century <laughs> as well <laughs> no, i I've,
1: I've actually need to double check that that's the accurate cent- century but i'm not going to let's just say it was it's old older than shakira older than chico okay right that's enough of that thern and taxis is all right it's on board game arena it was one of these kind of like older classic euro games i've had it recommended quite a few times it's very very german in fact i probably said thern and taxis at least once already when it's actually thern und taxis Mm -hmm. Um, and i'm probably pronouncing both of the other words wrong uh, but... Fun and Taxes,
0: Fun and Taxes, <laughs> got together like a Fun and Taxes. Da, da, da. Sorry, I had to get that out. Carry <laughs> yeah,
1: on. <laughs> no, we did need to get that out. Um, it's good. You know what? It's a good game. I should tell you something about it. Okay, so Fun and Taxes is a cute little route building game where you're attempting to put as many post offices as you can throughout the south of Germany. Um, by building up little routes uh, from cards that have different names on. It's got a lot of the feel of Ticket to Ride to it in terms of how you play, because you're collecting cards which will enable you to place routes on the map, and each time you get a route of a different length you get to put some buildings down. There's a nice little push and pull between you can either put buildings down spread across multiple regions or dollop a load into one region there's points to collect from getting enough houses in regions or, uh, building longer routes and all sorts of little tiny wrinkles. Um, and you're also racing to just keep on building progressively longer routes. Um, there's this thing where you collect carriage cards throughout the game for, and you can, you have to get the three and then the four and then the five and then the six and then the seven, each of those, meaning you have to create a route that is at least three, four, five, six, or seven. Um, steps long and the game ends when someone gets that seven carriage card which means that to a large extent it's a race to build multiple routes um as quickly as possible um although it is also a point scoring thing where you can get points for getting regions and all sorts of bits and bobs um the thing that i like about it and i am actually really disappointed with the uh, digital version when i found out after reading the rule book that it doesn't have the lovely array of gentlemen in the top left corner um who are the four people in germany who will help you on your quest to build the most groups (laughs) Uh, which is something like a postmaster a delivery person a uh, cart maker and uh, an administrator and these four people are basically there waiting to give you a hand and the nice thing about this is on each turn which has about three steps of like picking up cards, placing cards, or grabbing carriages when you finish routes. Um, At one point in your turn, you can ask one of the people to help you, but as soon as you've asked one, you can't ask anyone else for help that turn. So each turn, you've got the ability to make yourself a little bit more powerful, so you might be able to take two cards instead of one. So they're basically passive-aggressive,
0: really. They're like very needy.
1: They all like you but they don't like each other. So yeah. if you've been like I we'll find oh, no, you... out
0: that you've been getting help from Frederick the um postmaster general then uh Hans is furious. Yeah, Hans the cartwright is just going to be like no, I'm not touching you. Maybe come around next week. Um
1: but it's a nice little thing for like for something that's like a fairly straightforward little race and route building game. Like it's nice to have this little payoff or Potential payoff of being like one thing you do each turn, you're going to be able to do better. So, how what in what direction do you want to be more efficient this go around? Um, and that's 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 about it. It's quite nice. It's on board game arena, which means you can give it a go now. I think it might be still in beta, but it was working well for me. Um, and I liked it. I think it, yeah. I'd like to buy it, but you can't buy it because
2: (laughs) it's massively out of print and has been forever. I'm Um, thinking that this game is maybe like a perfect middle point where you start your, you know, your group, your fresh faced board gamers off with a game of Ticket to Ride. And then the end goal is obviously Hansa Teutonica. So, in the middle, you play Thurn and Taxis, which is just a slightly more German, slightly more complex version of Ticket to Ride. And then you reach like peak German with Hansa Teutonica at the, at the <laughs> other end.
1: Yeah, if you kind of want to move people along the Teutonic spectrum,
2: <laughs> but... it's like anamorphing into something that's like more beige. <laughs> In my mind, you're using a series of,
0: of trick tables to basically set up <laughs> Ticket to Ride, start teaching it, and then every time people aren't looking, just <laughs> gradually changing the game to a slightly more Hansa Teutonica game yeah. and, and gaslighting everyone into thinking that they're still playing the same thing.
2: Yeah. I mean, where um... did the trains go? and <laughs> Why have they been replaced <laughs> by this strange German man in a, in a uh, overalls? what's going on Uh, oh this is this is the
0: monk track obviously (laughs) (laughs) i did explain that right
1: (laughs) um yeah it is definitely i think it was i think it must have always been pitched as a kind of like this is a bit and this is in the vein of ticket to ride but like a little bit more gritty a little bit more um a little bit more scope to to get into trouble and a little bit more focused on how efficient can you be at doing this thing Um, and yeah it is actually really cleanly halfway between Hansa Teutonica and um, Ticket to Ride in terms of complication and the sort of mechanics it's starting to introduce so yeah it's fine it it induced some weird feelings in me in that like I quite liked it, I thought it was okay and I also didn't think it was like mind-blowing or brilliant like it was like this is this is solid and this is nice, but what it made me think, and I think I'm gonna at risk of sounding a bit like Grandpa Quinns at this point because what it made me think is that like I do miss this kind of like fairly lightweight but with intriguing mechanics um german style game that just doesn't seem to happen anymore because all of the euro stuff is so dedicated to massive amounts of complexity and fiddliness and faffs and lots of interlocking systems that they don't this is just a game with like one fairly solid system and some scoring mechanisms and yeah i i liked it i liked it for that it was nostalgic for a time when i wasn't even playing games i was too busy lying around listening to shakira
0: (laughs) (laughs) as we all were In that summer, in 2006.
1: (laughs) (laughs) It's one of those things where I'm worried that, like, I probably shouldn't have made that reference just so that you don't, you're able to cut out the massive load of waffle at the beginning, but now you can't. Oh, no, we're
2: keeping all of that waffle in. There's no way any of that's going. We've always (laughs) got time for Chico time. (laughs) I think that was a Matt's always got time for Chico time, was a perfect place for a sting. Um, Sorry, it's it's, 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 uh,
0: a cat in your throat. Yeah,
2: like a whole mammal in there what's wrong
0: cat in your throat (laughs) that's my new saying Uh... there was
2: a guy i used to work with this guy um this bar this terrible bar that i used to work at he was like he's a nasty guy but he basically kept on coming up with these like cool things that he'd like 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 cool new phrases like like hey like what you just did, but he'd do it worse and he'd enforce it so that every... He was like, it's good, isn't it? And we'd all be like, yeah. And the one that he used to always do was he used to say, sweet as a moose. And I was like, that doesn't make... that Like, what does that... What do you mean? And he was like, it's yeah. a pun. <laughs> I was like, it's not a pun. You're just saying, like, <laughs> right. sweet as a moose. Like, moose is a sweet. And if not, it's an animal. And, and he's like, and that's why it's funny. I was like, what? <laughs> Sorry, I just yeah. need to get that off my chest.
0: Although I did, I do remember s- sitting on a uh, bench with two complete strangers in Northwich on New Year's <laughs> Eve of like two thousand, probably around two thousand six, two thousand seven, to be honest. And uh, an older couple say "mad as peas" <laughs> and "mad as toast," and, and they just those are just two sayings which is in the North of England I never heard of a certain generation. They're saying something's mad as toast. I just like the idea of toast being mad. <laughs> That's really put... stuck with me. <laughs>
2: Someone's cooking like you know. You watch someone cooking bread again. Like bloody well, yeah, hell! Yeah, that is that's kind of sane.
0: Like, bread's so good, we cooked it twice. Just... <laughs> <laughs> it is. It is weird. What if desserts. we cooked it again? Put it back in. <laughs> it's like, what if we kind of burn it? <laughs> but not like, too no, much. We took it out of the oven. We took it out of the oven for a reason. It's like
1: yeah, but let's put it back. <laughs> <laughs> let's put it back lengthways. <laughs>
0: Right, Tom, are you going to enter the? Yeah, you're take, us yeah. A, a you're take us down a hill. Going to swoop us down, down a steep down hill to Tom's into famine, Tom's family game zone.
1: Game zone.
0: Um, That's good. I like it that. It was one.
1: long though. <laughs>
2: <laughs>
0: definitely... Sadly, he's already made a sting for it. So. <laughs> it's
2: true. I, I have already made a custom sting. Hello and welcome. You have all been cordially invited to. Tom's Family Game Zone.
0: Game Zone.
2: <laughs> Welcome.
0: <laughs> I got a bit of a sneak peek of that last week and I, I felt very blessed. Very blessed. Long may it rain until the apple spiders inevitably find us.
2: Yeah, I really hope that we don't get a copyright strike from using just like well, a second. Well, I think
0: of... if we do, it's worth it. And that's the important <laughs> thing. So.
2: Great okay well with that in mind welcome to tom's family game zone a hot new segment you've
0: you've got a family right you've got a family got
2: them and unfortunately i'm locked up with them during uh this hot pandemic that we all find ourselves in and what better chance to play test a load of family games with them while i have them around because what else are they good for is the segment. Absolutely that's the segment. nothing. Absolutely no, wait, that's nothing. A different, that's a different bit of discourse. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm going to rapid fire go through loads of cool family games that I play with my family, starting with Cupcake Academy, which is designed by Irvan Morin and published by Blue Orange Games. In a nutshell, Cupcake Academy is the towers of Hanoi, but a cooperative like family weight game. Are you too familiar with the, the Towers of Hanoi puzzle? Um, so little, little am I? The little stacky things. <laughs> the little stacky things. Love a little stacky things. It's, basic. Oh, it's really annoying.
0: It's really annoying Towers of Hanoi puzzle. <laughs> it's basically it's like, it's, yeah, it's one of those tiers of puzzle where like, you know, you can do it and you know, it's just going to take you a little while. <laughs> it's like, I don't like that kind of puzzle. I like that kind of puzzle where you can't work it out and then you know how to do it and it's immediately done. But it's like, even once you've worked out how to do it, it's still going to be like a couple of minutes to do it. Yeah. You That's wish boring. that you could
2: just solve the Towers of Hanoi in your brain without, yeah, actually having a yeah. physical tower. Yeah, if we okay. learn
1: anything from the Queen's Gambit, that means you need to take some drugs and lie look down. at
2: the ceiling.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I can't see the I, ceiling properly. <laughs> I too
2: have seen the Queen's Gambit on Netflix. Ha <laughs> ha. Uh, this episode sponsored by <laughs> the Queen's Gambit. Um, sponsored okay, by chess. <laughs> sponsored by chess. I thought Chess Month was sponsored by chess. Um, no. yeah we should have you know imagine probably...
0: if we'd done chess month a bit later we'd be laughing be we'd be laughing laugh. yeah, i don't know did yeah. you hear the
2: things
1: we said about chess in chess month <laughs> yeah that was
2: i mean that was mainly my fault so let's just keep rolling let's move on basically in cupcake academy it's like the reverse towers of hanoi so each player has a stack of upside down plastic cupcake wrappers in front of them and they like nest into each other like uh, dolls from russia Uh, And each player rests that single stack of cupcakes on one of three platters in front of them. And you can only move them by taking the top of a stack and placing it on a different platter. So you can only go from the top down and you can't put a smaller one on top of a big one. You've always got to nest them. So it's like the Towers of Hanoi, but upside down. So you're putting smaller... Wait. Anyway... The game is that you've got a strict seven minute time limit to fill out these assignments that get flipped from this like deck of circular cards. And the assignments show a certain configuration of cupcakes on certain boards. So like, for example, I might need one big pink cupcake showing one orange and one green, for example. And then like the person to the right of me might need like two green and one blue or something like that. Um, and sometimes players do need multiple kinds of cupcakes showing. And obviously you only start with one of each color, which means you need to give them your cupcakes using this single middle shared platter so it's this organizational nightmare where you're all trying to do your own version of the towers of hanoi all at once um cooperatively and you're trying to do as many of them as possible in seven minutes to try and win does that make sense at all can you picture it in your heads i mean I, I, it, it kind of makes sense
0: I can <laughs> picture also it. it makes me think that like is this just some sort of abusive cupcake Shop manager who's convincing their employees that they need to do this in order to be good at making cupcakes. It's it's a cupcake Cause...
2: academy. So you're learning, yeah, but that's how it.
0: It's like... but how is any of this related to learning to make cupcakes? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that... I mean, I'm just, I like, I like the idea of <laughs> moving these little things around, but like they're all facing down they're all like they're yeah, not know. even the right way up to put cupcake mixed in them this is this is my beef this is
1: my beef there's not actually any cupcakes in it is there well the, no they're cupcake wrappers guys no, <laughs> oh yeah no you'd be really really happy if i said like hey tom i baked you a load of cupcakes <laughs> and show up and you're I've going got, to like, cupcake academy lesson cupcake one
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah um thing is aside from the theme being completely uh nonsense and having uh, nothing really to do with cupcakes whatsoever uh it's fun it's really fun um it's kind of this That's it's, good. it's so fast and there's these wonderful moments where you're sort of like frantically trying to find a specific kind of cupcake like oh i need a blue one i need a blue one where is it and everyone's lifting up their cupcakes being like oh, i've not got one like where is it and you have to because they go from the top downwards you have to like pick each one up and it becomes almost like a horrible clumsy mess uh it's a good family thing i say that i say all of this all of these games are they good as a family game like i'd never play it with anyone but my family but everyone in my family got a kick out of it um, what about someone else's right. family <laughs> um no because well, i just got you
0: 10 random families uh, yes like statistically speaking what percentage of them would you play it with
2: i'd play it well i mean if i'm in that room it's like i can't turn it down at that point like once you've put me in front of 10 families and you said hey this is uh tom he's here to play cupcake academy with you i can't turn it down but i'd probably enjoy playing it with like maybe half of the families
0: okay that's fine that's a good answer 50% family ratio
2: 50% family ratio it's good clean fun it's a bit prone to quarterbacking because if you've got uh, a medium-sized brain and you've got small brains around you uh, you're very eager to make sure that you, you tell them exactly what to do which is terrible wow.
0: you better hope your family never listened to this podcast huh? <laughs> <laughs> they're small people
2: they're small people they've got small brains
1: the thing about small people though is that they often don't mind being told what to do as long as they get all of the credit at the end So that <laughs> is kind true, of, they're true. Kind of, you can just play any co-op game with them and you just tell them what to do don't have to explain the rules and just. Mm. Um, no I'm not actually recommending that
2: <laughs> but it's it's the, the the biggest uh positive i can give this game is that uh, my uh, the two sisters that i played it with uh after we finished our game i then saw them later on just having a game just them two which is unheard of normally so oh, cool. it's a good that's time cool. uh my favorite part the whole thing is that i asked my family for their opinions on it afterwards and my younger sister just said it's good because you can reuse the solid luminous pink plastic Cupcake wrappers for real baking, which really made me laugh. <laughs> the idea that you'd put like cupcake uh, mix, slam in the uh, oven.
0: That is a disaster waiting to happen.
2: I give Cupcake Academy a ranking of two grandads and four siblings.
0: zone. Pretty strong, pretty strong start. And I mean, now that I know you have such a overwhelmingly loose Approximation of what cupcakes are. I will send you some cupcakes in the next box I send you with uh, with board games
2: in it. That sounds great. I'm excited to see more cupcakes in a non-academic setting. The next game on our lazy Susan of family games is What's Missing, uh, published by Ludenort Games uh, and designed by Florian Cirex and. This game is the first in our drawing game double feature because there are two drawing games on this list and this is the first one and it's fine. (laughs) (laughs) Here's how it works. I'll
0: let you explaining double features in case (laughs) anybody's not familiar with that as a concept.
2: Uh, Everyone gets a flip book uh, with an acetate sheet in the middle. So it's basically like two cardboard sheets with an acetate layer in the middle. And each round, everyone draws a card from a deck and places it under the clear plastic. And that thing could be like a Hoover, an astronaut, uh, a cherry, or something like that, right? And your job in this game is to, it's called what's missing, so you draw around the thing on the clear plastic to depict a scene where the other players can guess what's missing. So if it's a cherry, you might draw a delicious ice cream with a a spot at the top that would have a cherry in it uh or if it's an astronaut you draw space and a rocket and they go that's an astronaut and that is the game it's uh it's pretty simple it could use something a bit more it's it's good clean fun but it's not like anything uh mind-blowing the problem with it is that the the sim the simple cards are really really easy to guess and the hard cards are like almost impossible to guess without being really flippant like one of my favorite things that happened uh is Mm. um someone's card was a viking and they just drew a speech bubble that says blimey i do love a spot of pillaging and we're like hmm that
0: feels like cheating it is
2: cheating but it was that weird thing where it was like because the time limit is because we were playing it with uh younger people they picked all the easy cards and the adults picked the harder cards and because the round ends when like everyone's done like when all but one person i think have done their cards the like you just have to finish the timer like once everyone has kind of deemed it's over it is over so drawing something like a viking longboat uh and someone with an and like an axe or whatever is like kind of hard in like a strict time limit especially when you don't have great drawing skills but regardless everyone after you finished it said it is nice like, all these I games mean, on this think list it's, are nice family games. <laughs> it's an interesting challenge trying to
0: have simultaneous simultaneous drawing and tricky drawing stuff. I think the game that really does that well is still Pictomania, of just having a system whereby, yes, you're all trying to draw something. Whatever you're trying to draw, it's going to be of a similar difficulty. Um, but because everyone's drawing and guessing at the same time, uh, it doesn't end up with that kind of, often that frustration you have in drawing games of... Cause you're all just laughing at each other's ineptitudes yes and there's also an element of um being able to narrow it down you, you know there's only a handful of things it could potentially be so it's not you don't again have that thing of just staring at somebody's terrible drawing and going i don't, what is this <laughs> yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but i think it's a it's a tricky one it's a tricky one i, I get particularly uh, stressed out in games like because i can't draw very well <laughs>
2: yeah it's i think that the best like fake artist goes to new york and other games like that where they're drawing games where you literally do not need to be any good at drawing are always the winners basically because they just because they become like if you have a drawing game where just one person is so much better than drawing everyone else it just becomes like that person just wins every round because if if you want to play it in that way because their drawing is just clearly like better and, and they know how to do that it seems like an unfair skill to test i suppose because um, it's a thing that you're either like quite good at or really bad at <laughs> i i, I yeah. gather i suppose
1: i mean it's all about leveling the playing field of some form like a good like party-ish drawing yes. game should be doing something to mean that even if you know even if you are good at drawing you're still having to like deal with the same challenge as everyone else like you know i mm. think with the thing with Pictomania mania is this thing of like you're looking for a nuanced take on some on like six similar things. So you can't just draw the thing because you've also got to get across the concept of why it's different from some of the other ones and that kind mm. of balances things out as well as it just being chaotic and actually anyone who's really good at drawing takes so long drawing that they've lost because everyone else <laughs> has finished and guessed everything before they've finished, which I think is really nice. But um, Does this have something that feels like it's balancing the playing, levelling the playing field? or
2: It has those cards where you have beginner intermediate and difficult cards which is i guess that's how you balance the playing field or maybe yeah. you could get to a point where uh you have um like someone spends ages trying to draw a viking and, and that's kind of a funny aspect of it but but generally we found it kind of like already i'm thinking why not just get pictomania i don't know where it sits as a great thing but it, again like it's fine it's fine and fun i don't want to be too harsh on any of these because they're for families and they're fine and fun uh...
0: well i don't know about that that's like saying <laughs> It doesn't matter if it's good. It's for kids, which we That's all true. know That's is not true because you might happily consume anything as a kid,
2: but some of the stuff you do look back and remember yes. being bad. I will say I don't know if I said this already, but I will say this is the this was the only one that we didn't play again. Uh, so there. All right,
0: what's go. the family score? What's the family score? Uh,
2: I guess one big dad, a medium dad and a small dad. All uh, right. uh, let's move on. This is Mr. Face. Published by Oink Games. Oh, I've played Mr. Face. Designed by Jun Sasaki. And let this me tell you dumb. about Mr. Face. <laughs> do you what do you think about Mr. Face? Do you like Mr. Face? Do you not like Mr. I Face? I think it's I think it's dumb. <laughs> I want to meet and Mr. Like, Face
0: <laughs> That's not really like saying it's good or bad. I just think it's dumb. Cool. You know? That's not a bad thing. That's not a bad thing. Okay, it's cool. Maybe not a great thing either. Like it's just. It's 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 dumb. That's my that's my entire,
2: <laughs> my entire opinion. Right, let's move on. <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> so <laughs> let's talk about Mr. Face. Faces, everyone has them, and you're going to make them out of pieces. Uh the game has a very simple premise. You have a hand of these little cards that have situations on them, like, uh, my dog just ate my smaller dog, or I can't believe that there are that many or or something that would provoke like a strong emotion in a person uh, that they would display on their face. Uh, The player who is the current player has to draw a prompt and then make a face that matches that prompt out of like facial puzzle pieces. These are the core shiny component are these like weird kind of uh, modular face pieces. Um, uh, Google a picture if you need, but they're nice components. Uh, and you can get very creative with how you use them to make these interesting faces. Like what could be a nose could also be used as a strange mouth or some like laugh lines or something. I don't know. Uh, it's it's an exercise in being creative with these very minimalistic bits and bobs. And then everyone will then submit a face down card from their hand and all the cards get shuffled together and you have to pick which one actually matches the face being displayed uh, to get points. And it's it's all right. It's another one that is all right. Uh, we haven't hit the, the 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 real meat of this segment, but I think Mr. Face is kind of weaker in the the general oink games line. Uh, I wouldn't choose to play it as like a family game because it feels a little bit sluggish where one person gets to do the fun thing and everyone watches them do the fun thing and participating mm-hmm. that round is just not as good as actually doing the face making, I suppose. I, I also found that really it didn't,
0: there wasn't when we played there wasn't often a great need for much weirdness or creativity it was yes it was you just made a face and then everyone got it right it was it was a <laughs> dumb thing i played in a bar um but yeah i think i'm in the same boat i think personally i give it like a second cousin uh that's it i think I'd give i it a second cousin that's
2: interesting i've i got uh, uh i i rated it one cousin on uh, board game geek um but that's fine you can give it a second cousin if you want uh, opinions, may, opinions may
1: vary I, I I mean I I can see I can see the kids That I hang out with <laughs> Being well up for this <laughs> And just mechanic Like just the process of making faces Out of those things so far this is the one That's like ah I can See them getting excited about I, I'm excited about The possibility of making faces here I think it probably sounds like It's a bit of a rubbish game yes
2: what a lovely toy that is actually that's actually a really good way of of putting it because it's it's something that's nice because it's making the the faces is something that you could find that you have like a weird knack for rather than like drawing which is like a skill in drawing games this like by sort of outsourcing that into like this strange little like spatial geography puzzle sorry facial geography puzzle i guess uh is kind of nice uh, I really, I think those core cool components are really wonderful and really fab. It's just a shame that there's not really much of a game around it. But you're right that it has like a toy factor to it that I guess the other stuff doesn't. Um,
0: well, all the all the like boxes are lovely little things, aren't they? It's yeah. just that some of them are good games and some of them aren't. Yeah. Um So what's the family
2: score? Tony? Family score? I gave it one cousin. Uh, I think or, you should yeah. chuck
0: a toddler in there as well.
1: I think.
2: A, <laughs> yeah. Okay. All right. A cousin and a toddler. One cousin and I'll raise you. One cousin and two toddlers. Uh, that, no, that might be too
1: far is... I've not played it, I'm not allowed to have an opinion Don't. Yeah, don't okay
2: <laughs> But your point about playing it with younger kids Resonated, I think that's true I think that the, it's, you're right in that It's maybe more of a, a kind of creative Little toy thing necessarily Than it is, it's a better creatively toy thing Than it is a game And yeah. that's where we shall End That so. The next game on this list is monstrosity published by deep water games this is my favorite but it's also got maybe the least like game to it uh the core concept one person has witnessed a monster they see a card with that monster on it for 20 seconds and they describe it to everyone else Uh, when they actually can't see the card anymore (laughs) Uh, that's a lovely idea yes it's fun and that core concept is so great so like they look at the card for 20 seconds they slam it down they have to just describe it for two minutes to everyone else who's drawing it as they go along like a police sketch Um, and then everyone votes on what they think is the best after they've seen the actual monster and the person who saw the monster first gives a point to who they think is best so the point scoring is so arbitrary and silly there is almost no game and it will not satisfy all you g- capital g gamers uh in your hunt for mechanics uh but it's it's a joy it's an absolute joy because you get to hear your family really badly describe monsters um, that's the one i'm rushing yeah. out and buying because that sounds yeah that, that sounds right, that sounds superb it's great just like Watching uh, like my my sister uh, in one of the first few rounds was just sort of going, "This monster!" Like when we'd not seen that many monsters, she's like, "This monster has a crop top and a handbag with flowers on it and a very small mustache, but above the mouth, which is full of circular teeth." And we were all going, "Like, there is no way this is an actual drawing." And she remembered it perfectly, like every detail she she'd got right. Um, this the
0: thing is, like, really, you say there's there's not much game within it, but the key of play the whole purpose of play is to allow us to um step into different scenarios and step into different um situations and sometimes those situations are just like now i'm gonna just do a, a financial based economic puzzle for a few hours and <laughs> pretend that i'm somebody in charge of a farming empire but sometimes in this case for example it's just like you're going to pretend to be a lying toddler which sounds like amazing <laughs> fun. Like, i've seen a monster and it was six foot tall and had green arms this it's, yes. is
2: super idea perfect execution simple but sounds delightful it is it's pretty delightful um and there's and also like again it's a drawing game that doesn't like being bad at drawing is a joy it's, it's a because it's just something that everyone gets to you know laugh at everyone's awful interpretations of this card the art is generally really like uh, quite vibrant and and fun it, it's a great game there you go monstrosity great game three small aunts out of 10 uh, i thought
0: that was going to get a full family out of 10 No, am yeah. <laughs> surprised by that
1: how, how does that not i mean i guess we've got to leave room for there to be like no i mean yeah no. i suppose so i mean not, again i've not played it i'm just assuming <laughs> this game is brilliant
2: and and also you don't understand the rating system that i've got going on here which is actually very complex uh, I've assigned nominal I values. Can't believe
1: you're accusing me of not understanding the family game zone <laughs> scoring <laughs> system.
2: Go on then. What's the what's the uh, what's the top what's the top tier family member?
1: Uh, three great aunts.
0: Damn it! I think I think I think it's a,
2: it's a solitary cool uncle,
0: isn't it? <laughs> That's true. Cool <laughs> one one no, cool it's uncle, three gruff
1: aunts like smoking round the back. Yeah, no, you're mm, right. Patty you're and right. Selma types.
0: Yeah, yeah. Patty and Very Selma good. and Selma too. Yeah, because
1: if you can get those <laughs> those three entertained by a game, then you You've won. You're game.
0: laughing. Yeah.
2: You're laughing. Okay. Are you ready for the for the uh the final game in game?
0: That jingle is, is really it's getting loose. <laughs> it's getting unhinged and I like it. <laughs>
1: getting me loose it's only gonna get more... <laughs>
0: wait does that sound a lot ruder this it? is our family <laughs> podcast Ava <laughs> uh,
2: this final game is herd mentality published by big potato games this is the simplest of all the teachers you get a question you write down an answer if you're in the majority of answers so if you, if you write the same thing as the other people you get a point and that is literally the entire <laughs> game uh, the only thing I can think of that's additional is there's a pink squidgy cow that you get if you're the only person to answer like a weirdo. So if everyone says uh, potato and you say potato, you get the pink squidgy cow and it stops you from winning the game, and that's it. What sort of questions
1: are we talking about here? Can we okay. get like an example?
2: Some of them are like a good because there will be like like a question that's like, what is the size of this? Like, no, actually, that's a bad example. A lot of the questions are have the same quality as a game that we talked about on an earlier podcast uh, actually in the tom's party game zone <laughs> back in <laughs> a while ago uh called stay cool uh, where a lot of the questions are just sort of pure like arbitrary speculation like some of them will be like left or right or like what's the best source and things like that and they're obviously questions that are designed some of them are obviously designed to produce a thing where like i'm looking around the table and i'm trying to assess like I know that my favourite sauce is like, oh, damn! Actually, that's pretty difficult. I think Ram. I said burger best, I-
0: best sauce. I'd say bechamel.
2: Yeah, we. I think we actually had this conversation but, at the uh, oh the late God. night Q and A at Oshucks shucks, and I said burger sauce, yeah. and you were horrified.
0: <laughs> I mean, I think I think I was probably the same at one point, hmm. but now I'm an <laughs> asshole. <laughs> <laughs>
2: Uh, so obviously like i'm looking at my my young sisters who won't eat anything that not like beige and i'm thinking well they're gonna say ketchup the best sauce and then everyone says ketchup and then they they feel happy because everyone thinks that ketchup's the best sauce because they don't really understand the game it's great uh well it's not great it's fine here's the thing this is the thing that got me thinking about uh family games in general and something that i just wanted to put in this podcast which is like Ultimately, every single one of these games are like good for families. Like any of these games can be a good time if you're playing with them with a youngish family. And I'm increasingly finding that like the regular parameters that I use to talk about games like just don't work. Like even when I'm assessing whether or not a family game is good, they just do not work when it comes to family games because they're often almost like completely about uh, immediacy. Like the thing is, is that we played uh, a game of New York Z the other day and then I tried to teach them Skull. Um, and Skull is a fiddly teach for a family because I think that broadly families that don't play that many games or have younger members will not, and this doesn't even go for people that are young, like my parents, will not understand the implications of rules until you start playing. So I sat them all down in front of Skull and I could see that I was losing them because I didn't understand, they they didn't understand the bluffing aspect at all unless it's properly spelled out for them um like if skull was instead called like bluffy the vampire slayer the bluffing bidding coaster game then it'd instantly take off because the path between unique mechanic and implication is is there
0: it's funny though because with skull particularly that's the what that's part of how i teach it now as i say now this is a game with with basically no rules and after i've taught you this, the game you won't understand what the point in it is it will seem a bit pointless it yes. won't seem like there's any game there but then we'll play around and then suddenly it will all start to make sense and it will get more and more interesting so that's definitely a part of how i teach it now of being because i had that experience i was like but where's the game yes and then the game appeared Ta-da! but i think <laughs> i think the main thing is like yeah i saw somebody talking about this the other day and saying that families often when they're playing even if they, they're they up for it, they won't really connect with a game and start concentrating on it until maybe you've been playing for like 20 minutes, half an hour. Yes. Um, which is just a huge problem for anything, which is a game that lasts longer than 20 minutes, half an hour. Because, <laughs> because basically people will be like, they'll get interested in it and get into it at a point at which it's like it's still got a while to go and or it's over and or they like you know like i was playing um libertalia on board game arena with my dad and the rest of my family a little while ago and we were like two-thirds of the way into the game and he was winning by a margin and he revealed that he just didn't understand the game (laughs) and it was like and in a kind of annoyed way and it's like well you know you've you've had plenty of options you know it's, it's sitting there not understanding it for 25 minutes and then being like, oh, I don't get this. You could have asked a question, you know. Uh, Whereas I think at least for those quick little ones like that, I think what people can't stand is the process of having to learn rules. And so really what they want more than anything is to say, look, let's just just start playing. They're like, let's just play. They just want to play. And so anything which isn't like you can teach it and start playing immediately and then play again, because I think most people like the idea of being able to understand a game before you've played it at least once. is just yes. alien to them. Whereas to yeah. us, it's like, can you imagine? <laughs> can you imagine <laughs> if it's like sitting down at this heavy Euro and then sitting there for two hours and being like, cool, right. Well, now we understand how to play it. We can play it again. Like,
2: <laughs> it would be joyless, wouldn't it? Um... No, it's a good uh, point. Yeah. Anyway, there you go. That is the end of Tom's Family Game Zone. I'm amazed if we still have uh, any people listening uh, at this point. Uh, I give... Oh, yeah, I forgot to give her Mentality a rating. Um, 7
1: out of 10.
0: So I'm going to cap off this uh, slightly exhausted RambleThon podcast with a little bit of chat about a game I reviewed on the website and on YouTube.com. Uh, very recently called Under Falling Skies. Now, this is a game which you may remember was covered by Quinns in, I believe, the second part of the Solo Games special, where he investigated all of the wonderful things you could do with a printer and yourself. Um, This is an interesting project in the fact that originally, the the game which you can play for free, and I, I should point out at this point, unfortunately, as is often the way with reviews that we do. The game is now sold out currently, I believe, but you can play the print and play version and hopefully, because of demand, there will be more availability of the the buyable option. It's a game with nine cards, really. Like, it's a very basic thing. Nine cards, some dice, some tokens, and the gist is effectively a cross between Space Invaders and XCOM of you've got aliens up in the sky, you've got a base underground... Can You Stop the Aliens from Murdering You? And it is a delightful puzzle. And honestly, the the, the full version of it by Check Games Edition, it's worth going and having a gander out in the video because it's a very gorgeous thing. And they've done some really interesting stuff to, to stretch it out into a kind of a full game. Because mechanically, it's such a, a brilliant, tight little puzzle. I'd honestly really recommend checking out the print and play um, if you've got an afternoon spare on your own because it's just it's just fun decision central it's it is solid as anything i mean the general gist of it really is the fact that you have these five columns which all correspond to strips of sky going up towards the mothership and then strips of underground sections of your base and you roll a handful of dice and then have to place them specifically on your base when you do so it's going to activate the room on the base that you have put the dice on depending on the value on that die but then also the ship in the sky is going to move down through the sky by that same quantity of numbers on the die and just that in itself is a wonderful mechanic combined (laughs) with the fact that you have to put one of the five dice in each column you can't have more than one dice in each column so you roll these dice and then you think well i've got this spread of things they all have to go somewhere And already that's hellish because it might be that you really want to put a six on a rune that lets you do loads of research, but that means a ship in the sky is going to move down six places. And generally speaking, that's just awful. Like you almost always, (laughs) you always want high numbers for the stuff in your base, but high numbers are always also going to mean aliens dropping, plummeting down towards your base. Um, And it's just a joyful puzzle of trying to get the right balance of activating things in your base uh, in order to progress and have the resources you need to continue throughout the game versus actually getting the ships in the sky into a position whereby you can blow them up easily. Actually, thematically, it reminds me a ton of the video game ex- XCOM and the fact that you are you've got a little digger that you're sending down deeper into the ground to excavate new space, to have new buildings and have more options in your base. But actually, broadly speaking, it reminded me a lot of the video game XCOM because of that that interaction between the tactical layer and the strategic layer of having rounds where you think oh but if i just use all my dice specifically to make the ships land on the explosion spaces then i can put a high dice on the the um, fighter jet space and they will all get shot out of the sky and go back to the mothership and it's really easy to become fixated on that but then if you keep doing that and you keep just blowing up the ships then you're not getting the other stuff done that you need to to win the game you're not doing the research you're not doing the kind of the broader thing at the same time if you ignore that and just go for the objectives then you end up having way too many ships crashing into your base and you blow up and lose so it has a wonderful push and pull of like when to invest in long-term planning versus when to uh, deal with short-term issues And all of that is just within the core puzzle that is the print and play game. Like All of the stuff they add, um, the kind of campaign stuff and mission variants and characters and locations and increasingly like little bits of new rules that spice things up and make it slightly trickier or more interesting. They're all fabulous, but it's just such an unbelievably solid core that I am not a fan of... Single-player board games, really. I, <laughs> I I haven't got the attention span for them. I'm I'm too much of a flittery butterfly. But this one, every time I got into it, I got into it for hours and hours and hours. And I'm really excited. I'm going to be posting it to Tom in the near future with, obviously, um, a selection of, of Cupcake Academy-style <laughs> baked muffins. Um, and I'll be fascinated. We had a comment um, on the website under the review Saying, "Hey, you also talked about the print and play kind of pinball thing, and about that being a good solo player." Yeah, you know the how how those compare. So I'm really excited to uh to to revisit a couple of podcasts down the line and be like, "Hey, Tom, what do you think (laughs) of Under Falling Skies?" Because I'm sending my copy over.
1: What? How's the how's like rhythm of it as you're playing? Like, do you have to kind of whip through quite fast, or can you? Because like I'm trying to work out what I'm trying to get out there, but like. One of the things I like about playing games solo is that you do actually have as, like, if you get into a pit where you have to make a really difficult decision, you can just fall into it and you don't have to worry about, like, someone waiting for you to take your turn because you can just be like, oh, actually, wait, I'm just going to math this all out and play this all out. Um, Is it like that or is it kind of bosh, 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 dice goes there or like, yeah, how do you feel when you're playing it?
0: it's a mix of the two i mean honestly it has i would say um a mechanic in it which acts as a mental speed bump if you will that stops you from doing that whole i'm gonna zoom out matrix style and plan every move and do a perfect turn and the fact that of the five dice you're rolling every turn three of them are gray and two of them are white and every time you place a white dice on the board um, you have to re-roll all of your remaining dice, yeah, which is effectively means that two out of your five turns will re-randomize the rest of your dice. Yeah, and so you can, if you want, look at what you roll initially and completely plan it and then it means you can know for sure that four of your actions are going to be 100 percent certain but then the last one is going to be completely randomized and presumably that's kind of
1: a temptation because like oh that means i can do three actions and that'll be great for then and then i'll re-roll everything and everything will be perfect
0: exactly exactly and And that's that yeah that's the interesting (laughs) puzzle that it's like this is the rule i think in the video i talk about why it works and i think this is the rule that really makes it sing and the fact that you've got the option of like the temptation of having some some fantastic gray dice that you want to play immediately but even just playing two of them means your third placement means the last two dice are completely random which means the last two columns you have no control over where the alien ships end up and they could end up Mm -hmm. on locations which are bad so the temptation is to use you know the sensible thing to do really is to use your white dice early because then you can have more control over the later game and have more but in reality that doesn't work especially when the worst thing that happens when you roll and the white dice are both horrible like if if you roll a white six you're like brilliant i'll use that somewhere but if they're if you roll a one and a two then it's like well you ideally want to use one of those immediately so you can re-roll the other stuff but it's it's very interesting. I, I'd never got like real analysis paralysis with it. I think if anything, the, the thing that it works best as a solo player is that the rules are not super complicated, but they're very specific. There's a specific order to everything and a specific way that everything works. And it is a very finely tuned machine that sings. But if you get it slightly wrong, it wouldn't work. But thankfully... I spent a lot of time checking the manual because <laughs> it just doesn't matter. You know, you just like, if you're not 100% sure about something, get the manual out again. Yeah. yeah. Um, there there is something I in that as fat.
1: well. Like, if you can, if it, it, you want it to have quite a nice, neat procedure because you want to not get lost with where you are in a turn or how much you've done so far. Like, so one of the reasons why I like La as a as a solo game more than, than most other kind of big economic things is that there's a really, really simple procedure to it of like you place that thing, then I decide where this goes and then I place that thing and then I decide where this goes. And it's really like obvious where you are and mm. what you're doing. So I think yes. having a solid procedure is really important for a solo game and that's something that could...
0: I mean, also out. the fact that the you activate the rooms that you activate on the board with your dice, you do so at, after you've placed all of your dice, then you go through and you can activate them in any order you want. But as you place the dice one at a time, the ship in the sky in that column or ships in the sky in that column immediately move that number of spaces so it's so you are placing them one at a time and having the the bad effect immediately but then having some control at the end of the turn about how you do the good stuff but the interesting thing about that is it means you really can do some deeply clever stuff in terms of where you can shift that ship down three spaces it will then hit land on a space which shifts it into the column into the right which means then you can use another movement on that column and two ships move down and both land in exactly where you want them. It's a game that, when everything kind of aligns, you it does make you feel like a genius. It's also really hard, like it's really, it's brutally hard and it's a nasty little puzzle. But more often than not, I would actually lose. But I, I never found that to be a problem and never found that to be frustrating because I felt like the combination of it being a really tricky puzzle, uh, but also a puzzle that made me feel really clever meant that even when I was losing, I was constantly kind of almost patting myself on the back and being like, you know, you. you either like, hey, you came pretty close there. That was, you know, that was good. Like you came close <laughs> or like that was really unlucky. And you made, you know, you're, you're you're trying to make the best out of a terrible situation. And when you do manage to kind of claw stuff back, it's super satisfying. I think it's, I think it's a real gem. Uh, and it's, it's one of those things that like, I've seen a few people being like, it would, it would make a great video game as well. Make a great little, uh, <laughs> great little video game. But as it is just an unbelievably, um unbelievably solid box. I mean, literally as well, like when you, the box is just jammed full of cardboard. There's a lot of stuff in there. It's a small box, but it is is full of things. I've got a lot of time Um, for that. A lot. Yeah, I think so. (laughs) Especially for a single player game. I think, you know, the only thing I'd say in the UK is like, it does take up a hell of a lot of table space. Mm. It's not, it's not like, you can just have a corner of a kitchen table and do it it's like it's pretty like loud and proud like yeah i'm gonna play this game on my own now and i need, <laughs> I need <laughs> and i must lights.
2: commandeer a, a <laughs> yeah, large I, table because I, I played remember. a
0: bunch of it uh, like last month when uh when it was still legal to do so i went and spent some time with my in-laws uh in a little Cottage somewhere, and it meant like, yeah, there was just chunks of the day where I just took over the whole kitchen table, and nobody minded, but it was like, is this okay? <laughs> <laughs> you you to, know what I mean? Yeah, I mean, it's, the, the solo games that I've played are uh,
1: the and Mage Night, so <laughs> I was like, gonna say, I'm to, like, <laughs> right, yeah, you used to this, that, yeah, like, enormous world of cardboard just for myself. And feeling really like simultaneously awkward and decadent about it. Like mm. it's one of those things that can be slightly embarrassed about someone walking in on you and being like, are you, are you still playing at that? Yeah, it's all right. I'm having, <laughs> I'm having
0: fun. <laughs> you know, I can both I can both really relate to that. Uh, but at the same time, I think it says a lot that Under Falling Skies was just so good. So immediately good that I just had no shame at all. When people came in and were like, oh, I was just like, yeah, this is amazing. This is brilliant. And it's just like, absolutely. like It's like, no, I'm taking it over the table. I don't care. This is great. <laughs> um, I don't care if I look like a big nerd. This is the most exciting thing that's happened to me today. So thanks. Bye. And if that wasn't enough, you can check out the video um, I did. It features Quentin Smith being the president of the United States of America. And me singing Aerosmith
2: incredibly badly. <laughs> oh, it was, <laughs> um, it was beautiful. It was don't beautiful. Under, don't was undersell touch. yourself. Yeah. I cried. Tears of joy. I don't know. What do we normally do at the end of a podcast?
0: Uh, thank people for listening. Yeah. That's and it. And tell them. <laughs> all right. Like done. That's yeah. quite yeah, done. a good outro. Jobs are good. At...
2: <laughs> 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 we can't do that. We can't do that. so bad. <laughs> <Thank> <laughs> because... people for listening. Yeah. <laughs>
0: I mean, that would be quite funny.